It seems that no matter where you look, there's pop culture news flying around everywhere. But how can you keep up so you're ready to roll when a new episode of the Popcast comes out? Wouldn't it be wonderful if there was one place where you could go to get all the news you want? Then boy do I have good news for you, because Flipboard is here to help. Flipboard curates the world's stories so you can be smarter in your work, life, and play. Choose from thousands of topics to personalize Flipboard, and get the latest stories from the best publishers and experts delivered to you 24-7. Used by millions of people every day, Flipboard is how people move themselves and the world forward. Get started now at Flipboard.com. That's Flipboard.com. This is episode 19 of the Popcast. Hello, welcome to the Popcast, the pop culture podcast from Vernacular. We're your hosts, Maureen and Josh Goldman. Each week, we'll dive into the latest in pop culture with our three regular segments. First, the snack bag, where we cover some smaller stories from the past week. Second, the marquee topic, where we dive in depth into one pop culture story or event. And third, the teasers, where we give our suggestions for pop culture content you might have missed, but should definitely check out. Hi, honey. Welcome back. Thank you. Welcome to our audience. Thank you for joining us on another week down the pop culture rabbit hole. How was your week? My week was great. How was your week? Also really good. There was a pause. It wasn't great. It's fine. What happened? Look, things are great. We have a great life. But you know, sometimes you just want a little bit more out of life. What do you want? I don't know. Free stuff. Free stuff? Like yeah. what? Like a free Slurpee? A free Frosty? Honey, those things are like $2 each. Yeah, but it would be, they would taste so much better if they were free. But that's all you need to make our life go from good to great? Maybe, yeah. That that's would be $4 a week. You got it. It's yours. Okay. All right. Hey, we have a little bit of follow-up. Tell from, us the news. From one of our first podcasts, we talked about the coupling of Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson. Wasn't it an engagement? Yeah, they got engaged. And ladies and gentlemen, as I predicted... They're married and they have three kids. <laughs> they've broken up. Oh, no. So they are done for. And they just said it wasn't the right time. Now, I said this was going to happen. Maureen said that it was not I going to happen. I said I was rooting for them. It wasn't that I wasn't rooting for them. It's just that I knew it wasn't going to happen. I just knew it. Well, honey, you were right. So I guess we'll we'll see if they ever get back together. They could be a will they, won't they in real life, maybe bounce back and forth. You think? I think they're probably done. They're probably done. All right. Well, we'll see. But Ariana gonna appear on the 29th in the Wicked special. They already oh re- right. They already recorded it. So do you have that set to record for us? We need to record that. No, but I will. Okay. Let's just jump into the snack bag. We don't have that much follow up this week, so let's just jump right into the snack bag because we have a couple fun topics to cover. The first thing is that I found this amazing mashup of two songs. It turns out that someone had taken the Aha song, Take On Me, and Kendrick Lamar's Backstreet Freestyle and put them together. And I think he may have sped up Kendrick Lamar's rapping. And basically, the two songs fit super well together. So I'm actually going to see if I can include a little clip in the podcast so you can hear it. But Warning, def- this is an explicit mashup. You should not listen to this with yeah, I won't. I won't play too much of it, so I'll try to cut out the explicit parts. But it's so amazing how well these two fit together. Uh, Martin had a dream. Martin had a dream. Kendrick have a dream. So I the world 
I don't listen to rap very often, so I had not heard this song before. I know that makes me sound like a complete loser, but that's just the truth. Well, I think it was one of his deep cuts from his first album. So, you know, I don't even know if if uh, casual Kendrick Lamar fans would have heard it. So I don't know if you're in the minority there. Well, so when I first heard it, I, I said to Josh, I was like, did he write this to go with Take On Me? Like, that's so weird. And Josh had to inform me that it was, in fact, somebody else who mashed it up. And that made it so much cooler to me. Yeah, it actually makes this, both songs really... Well, I love Take On Me. Like, that's a classic. But it, it's, it's one of those... It makes this hip-hop song that's a little slower, and it makes it... Uh, like really peppy and it's really interesting so definitely take a listen to the whole thing again as Maureen said it's a little explicit Kendrick Lamar's lyrics so beware if you're going to listen around children so anyway I thought it was amazing sometimes you hear mashups and I'm just not that impressed but this is one of them that I was like wow this is really good all right so moving on to the next snack bag topic Josh let's talk all things royal so we're going to talk about uh, Princess Eugenie who got married last weekend and then of course harry prince harry and duchess megan is that her title i don't even know her real title i think you mean princess northwestern yeah but she's not technically a princess Mm, i don't know she's a princess to me so i want to we're going to talk about both of them but the first thing i want to say is has our has the american culture always been obsessed with all things british royalty yes absolutely i remember being a very young child elementary school age and my dad i was on vacation i remember my dad woke me up to tell me about princess diana passing it was Mm. like a big deal for our family and like you know it's almost like he told me the news like it was like someone in our family which it i mean we have never met her she was incredibly famous but it was that you know i i think we've always been kind of very fascinated and felt very close to the royal family in that way ever since we decided to say screw you we're breaking off from england they'll be back Yes, Maureen, copyrighted song from Hamilton there. So anyway, Princess Eugenie, who is the first cousin of Prince William and Prince Harry, got married last weekend to a commoner. Oh, no. So he didn't even get a title. Did you know that? Isn't Meghan Markle a commoner? Yes, but she, it's it's something to do with the fact that she is a woman in the royal family, so the queen can decide not to to give her husband a title, but she did choose to give Megan a title. So That's Meg- not nice. Well, I don't know. What's wrong with this guy? There's nothing wrong with Why him. Why can't he have a title? He just doesn't have a title, which means their kids won't have titles either. No, that's mean. I think the queen should have given him a title. But there's still a royal What's the reason family. not to? I don't know. Just because maybe she doesn't have time to think of titles. She's in her 90s. Hmm. Isn't she not in her 90s? 80s? I don't know. She's old. She's still she's, kicking. She's been on the earth many years. So they got married. It seemed like it was a very nice wedding. But the one thing that I thought was really cool about the wedding is that Princess Eugenie had scoliosis as a child and she had surgery to repair it. And her wedding dress was designed so that you could see the scar on her back so that she could bring awareness to this thing that she had corrected. She wasn't trying to hide it. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it's awesome. And apparently the same weekend, we got news that Prince Harry and Meghan Markle are expecting their first child. Hooray! I wonder if this came out at the actual wedding. Wouldn't that be such an upstaging of the people getting married? 
to say, oh, we're having a baby. Yeah, so Josh doesn't mean at Meghan and Harry's wedding. He no, no. He means like when they were attending Princess Eugenie's wedding. Yeah. And yes, I really hope they did not usurp her special day because the bride and the groom, they get one day and it's supposed to be all about them. Yeah, and now they're in Australia and people are going crazy. I see an article on USA Today almost every day about something new that they're doing in Australia. And it's such mundane stuff. Today, I saw an article that said Meghan got frightened because of a loud noise. That was the article. That's crazy. What? That That was it. There was nothing else. That was the article that was in USA Today today. Did they even really know if she was actually frightened? I don't know. But people are obsessed in the United States with the royals. They will be for a while because now she's having a baby. I mean, babies are great in general. But I don't know. This royal family obsession, I've never gotten it. Although I did get to see Queen Elizabeth in person when she came to the United States. Wow, really? Yeah, she came to the the College of William and Mary where I went to college and I had to get a ticket and I was probably four football fields away, but I could see her in person. That's cool. She said exactly zero words, none. She didn't say one word. She just waved her little queen wave. For those of you at home, I am doing the little queen wave to Maureen, so she's the lucky one who gets to see this. Anyway, I've never been obsessed with it uh, and I don't think I'll ever understand it, but to those that are, hey, more power to you. Speaking of babies, our last snack bag topic is something that really grinded my gears when I read this. Is that an appropriate term? I think so. I think that it, it means makes me mad. mad. Yeah. Do you want to set this one up? So basically, Piers Morgan, who is on a British talk show and has very strong opinions about things. And he also used to be one of the judges on America's Got Talent. Weird. But, you know, he's he's been around. He's an older, kind of overweight dude. Yeah. And he put out a really rude post on social media that had a picture of Daniel Craig, former James Bond. No, current James Bond. Oh, he's current? He's still the James Bond. Is he making another one? He's making one more. Well, current James Bond basically carrying his child in one of like the baby carriers. So think like a Tula baby or a baby Bjorn or what what is the brand? An Ergo baby. An Ergo baby. Yeah. So it's basically like a front pack and your baby sits in it and they're like right next to your body and it's like super cute and easy. And and he calls it a papoose. Yeah, he calls it a papoose. And is that he, what it's called? He basically says that it's when men do it, that it's emasculating and they shouldn't be doing it. And that, well, I'll let Josh weigh in, but. As a dad who has carried his child in a papoose, I can say that it is not emasculating at all. It allows you to do so many things with your hands, and it helps you stay close to your child. I just thought this was the dumbest thing, and why he had to provide his opinion anyway is beyond me. But I just could not stand this comment. It is so stupid. I I love being close to my child, and wearing the papoose helps keep them in one place without them wiggling around. And it's also... It's practical. It's it's also great for the family. Like, it's helpful. Like, when our son was really young, like, I would carry him a lot, but I would need breaks every once in a while, and Josh could do it. And it was really helpful because our son could be really close to Josh, and that was good, like, bonding time for them. So I feel like it was a win all around for us. And the third, like, win is that it's super adorable to see your husband wearing your child. Like, there's nothing that makes you love a man more than, like, watching your husband, like, carry around your little baby. So I just think it's, like, I think it's incredibly sexy when a man does it. So, Piers Morgan, you are wrong. Who else thought he was wrong, honey? Oh, Chris Evans, who plays Captain America, he basically came back on Twitter and said, no, you, you have to be so fragile in your own masculinity to say that 
it's emasculating to wear your child in a front carrier. I think the other cool thing that came out of this was that now there's basically Chris Evans came to the aid of Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. And Piers Morgan, you know, responded again saying Captain America wouldn't wear one either. And all of these other dads from all over have been posting their pictures with their babies talking about how they're like still real men and they love wearing their babies. And I think this is like sexy dads everywhere unite. Like this is amazing to me. I I love it. I love the closeness between the fathers and the children. And I think that it's a great movement. So good came out of it. Bye-bye, Piers Morgan. We don't need to hear from you again. Maureen, should we move on to our marquee topic? Yes, I am so excited about it. So as I mentioned at the very beginning of last week's podcast, our marquee topic this week is going to be focused on Hocus Pocus, the 1993 film starring Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, Kathy Jimmy, Thor Birch, Omri Katz, and Vanessa Shaw. This came out in July of 1993. Isn't that kind of weird? It's clearly a yeah, Halloween movie, and it came out in the middle of summer. But they probably wanted time to like gear up and like. Get I guess, ready. But, but don't you think like September would have been better? Or starting to feel the fall weather, July. It's like the smack dab middle of summer. You can't, you can't go from the pool to seeing, you know, a Halloween movie. I don't know. So this movie was directed by Kenny Ortega. Kenny Ortega also fun fact of Newsies fame. He directed oh, Newsies. I love that movie too. He was a big Disney director back in the day. The film had a budget of $28 million. It grossed $39 million in theaters, which is not very good when you compare it to the budget. Yeah, but I bet they're royalties. I bet like well, for, for it how has, popular the film has been since Right. Then. It's become a cult classic and plays regularly on TV during the month of October on Disney Channel and ABC Family, which is now called Freeform. The thing I want to ask you first is what did they spend $28 million on in this movie? Well, there's a lot of effects, like the talking cat. Right, but $28 million? You would have to think that Bette Midler... The flying, maybe all the flying. I don't know. $28 million is a lot of money for a movie of this size. It only runs 96 minutes. It's a brisk 96 minutes. I rewatched it last night. It flies by. It's so good. To give you a little disclaimer, Maureen uh, grew up on this movie. She's seen it since she was a young child. I had seen bits and pieces, but I could not remember watching it in its entirety until... Oh my gosh, I loved it growing up, and then I loved it. A bunch of my college friends and I watched this. I watch it every year on Halloween, and it's like the kind of movie that I'll like live text my friends while I'm watching. And I don't think I'd seen it in its entirety until maybe six or seven years ago when Maureen and I first started dating, and she said, how have you not seen Hocus Pocus? We have to watch it. And... Typically with movies like this, I find that a nostalgia factor plays a huge role in determining whether you really love it or whether you don't like it at all. But I actually really like this movie. It's really cute and it's fun. And I didn't really see it till I was an adult. So that's kind of surprising to me. So we're going to do a little something different when we talk about this movie. It's a little bit of a take on what The Rewatchables does. That's another podcast that we've talked about on this show before. So thank you to them for the inspiration. Should we get into it? Yeah, let's do it. So let's start with, what is your favorite scene in the movie? Now, I have a couple nominations I'd like to give you here. And if you have any other ones, you can feel free to add. The first one I have here is the scene where Bette Midler and Sarah Jessica Parker and Kathy Jimmy sing, I Put a Spell on You. Oh my gosh, so good. Okay, so this scene takes place about... And they all sing. Yeah, they all sing in real life. And Bette Midler, obviously a singer. So this scene takes place about 
more a little more than halfway through and and they're trying to chase down the kids who have uh, the spell book and they run into them at this big dance Halloween party and Bette Midler sings I put a spell on you so that's that's one uh, the other one that I put on here is the scene in the devil's house which is yes, a I cameo with Gary Marshall. Gary Marshall and his real life wife which is kind of fun and then the third scene uh, that I would put up for a nomination of best scene in the movie is just a small one, but I think it's really great, is when Max and Danny and Allison go up to the police officer yeah. and they, they talk to him and they're trying to tell him that, oh, the Sanderson sisters are back and what are we going to do? Do you have any other additions for best scene? So many. I have so many other additions. Okay, well, try I to know keep I it, can't try say to keep all of them. Small. So I also love the scene when the three witches get in, they're in the high school and they get put into the kiln where the pottery is fired and they basically are supposed to be burned up but they can't because they can't die and so they all come out and they're like smoking and they had been put in there with like a french translation like how to speak french cassette tape and so they come out speaking french about how they want their book je voudrais mon livre i find it hilarious i don't know why yeah, but that seems to be more of a moment that that's almost like the the police officer scene that it's just like a funny moment as opposed to an entire scene yeah so I also, from the nostalgia factor, I also love the first scenes of the yeah, movie in I was the colonial say, times. I was going to say that should probably be on the list too. So when they're, when, you so know. the movie opens in 1693. Yes. And it's colonial times and the witches are sucking the lives out of little children. And Thackeray Banks, who, when I was young, was dreamy. He's like this like <laughs> high school boy with a ponytail. And I thought he was just the dreamiest and he tries to save his sister, but he can't and he gets turned into a cat. Anyway, you should all watch this movie if this is sounding really confusing. But I love those initial scenes when, you know, it's like historical times and you're seeing the origins of Thackeray and the witches. I'm trying to think if there's any other... Can big... I say one thing about the historical colonial scenes? Yes. So when I rewatched it last night, the one thing that stuck out to me about that scene, and I was going to save this for things that kind of annoy me about the movie, but I'll bring it up now since you mentioned it, is that the movie starts at like 100 miles an hour. There is really no buildup. Like you don't know who Thackeray is. You don't really know who Emily is. All of a sudden, his sister Emily has been kidnapped and he is like trying to destroy these witches it's like there needs for me there needed to be a little bit maybe like two or three minutes of setup so you can kind of see their normal life before all of a sudden you get this moment where you're spun into action yeah but they do that it's a tactic i mean they spin you into action you you're like what what's going on what and then you flash forward and then you get the background of the sisters in the classroom at school and they kind of bring you in that way well i don't mean about i don't mean background about the sisters i just wanted to see a little bit more of normal life of thackeray and his sister emily before you kind of jump into the craziness of that first action scene yeah so i don't necessarily mean the sisters i don't i don't think we need to learn about the sanderson sisters right up front but that was kind of an annoying thing to me when i rewatched the movie okay i know what my favorite scene is my favorite scene is when the three main characters the kids go and um max lights the black flame candle and he's a virgin and so this brings the witches back and that first scene where they are the the women are initially back and danny and allison and max are all freaking out about it and he like sets off the, the burning rain he calls it which is just the sprinkler system that is you know 
going to rain on everything. But when the, the watching the three witches, like, figure out that they're not dead, like, seeing the road for the first time, like, that all is magic to The me. Black River. Yeah, that's my favorite part. So you think probably from the time they get to the house until the witches leave the house, that, that scene is yeah, what you're saying is your favorite. that scene is really good. I think my favorite, after rewatching it last night, has got to be the I put a spell on you scene. I just think I it's, put a spell on you. I just think that they're so fun when they're all singing and, and all the mom the, who's dressed up as Madonna. Yeah, it's just <laughs> the whole scene put together is just really fun to watch. So I think that's probably my choice for best scene in the movie. Okay, your MVP. Who is the most valuable player in the film for you? Pick any character or any person on the production staff, the writer, the director, anything that you think stands out as the most valuable that makes this movie what it is. And then I will tell you mine. This is so hard because I love this movie. So I'm going to give some honorable mentions before I give my like real okay. deal. So I think honorable mention goes to Max because I was in love with him, like straight up. He was so Omri, So Omri Katz. Yes. And he plays such a like endearing protagonist and like you really root for him and he's like a good kid and... Can so, I jump into this right now since you mentioned him? Mm-hmm. I was going to save this for later, but I did read one piece of alternative casting that they originally offered that role to Leonardo no. DiCaprio. Oh my God, no. Yes. Are you joking? No, I'm not. <gasps> they originally okay. offered it to Leo. I love... Why did he turn it down? He turned it down to do What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Okay, that which won was an a, Academy Award. Well, nomination. He got a nomination. Remember, oh, he didn't right, win until right, The right. Revenant. But yes, it could have been Leonardo oh DiCaprio gosh, as Max Dennison. my little Dennison. heart flutters I, leo is my all-time favorite actor i just knew that was going to be a reaction oh, so i really wanted gosh. to save that to okay tell you so max podcast. is an honorable mention the mummy billy <laughs> honorable mention just hilarious great physical comedy there head falling off putting it back on we'll talk about him more when we talk yeah. about minor characters because i think he's has a small enough part that he could be considered a minor character so give me your mvp let's hear it it's Beth just... Midler, hands down. This yeah. movie is not possible without her. She is the leader. She is the glue. She is phenomenal. I mean, Kathy and Jimmy and Sarah Jessica Parker are close seconds, and I think the three of them really work so well together. I also was very into, when I was little, Sarah Jessica Parker singing, like her enchanting song for the children. It's kind of creepy. It's super creepy, and I used to sing it around my house. Also <laughs> creepy. No, But it was like that, you know. But anyway, Bette Midler is this movie, and she is... Amazing. My MVP was also Bette Midler, and I don't think I have anything to add from what you just what you just put in there. Let's talk about our least valuable player, someone they could have eliminated from the movie, and it wouldn't have changed anything. Because I have one that's standing out in my head. Wapo bapo, probably the bus driver. The bus driver. Wow. Okay. He's annoying. He's annoying, but my choice is Ice and Jay. The two bullies. <laughs> so first of all, when I rewatched this movie last night, I could have sworn that Jay was played by was played by James Franco. It looks like a James Franco lookalike. <laughs> I guess a little bit in the face. But I think he was a bit young to to have been in that age in this movie when it was made. But they are the most pointless characters in the whole movie. They don't provide any real comedy. They just are annoying the whole time. So they are my choice for Hollywood. least valuable player. Also, do people really act like that in real life do yes, they honey bullying is a real thing and it's awful okay i i don't doubt that they would bully someone like max but would they bully danny she's eight years old I, this just didn't it just didn't i mean in a movie that's so silly it just a didn't a lot of yeah i think there's a lot of that sadly okay well either way they could have been left out and i would have been totally fine with it so they are my least valuable players and you say the bus driver yeah i just don't love that scene like he's just kind of a perv I think we could have left him out. Well, that's a good transition to 
things that don't really hold up in the movie because I think that the bus scene doesn't really hold up and not that they are riding on a bus, but that the bus driver is kind of creepy and Sarah Jessica Parker ends up riding on his lap. It's just kind of... Yeah, I just don't think that that would have happened then either. Like that would have also been very weird. And isn't it weird that it's in a kid's movie? I mean, it's rated PG, but it's kind of weird that it's... Well, her whole character is super sexual. Sarah Jessica Parker, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that holds up super well. It might not, not have held up well then either. But the other thing that I was going to say is there really are no minorities in this movie. Wow. Yeah, I, I mean, know. it takes place in Salem, Oregon. So, right? Or Salem, Massachusetts? Oh my gosh, honey, Oregon? It doesn't take place in Oregon? This No, it's Massachusetts. It's the Puritans, the Pilgrims. That's who was there. Wow, that is so bad of me that I... <laughs> is Salem in Oregon too? There's a Salem, Oregon, I think. Really? Yeah, yeah, there is. <laughs> remake (laughs) so wait this takes place in massachusetts yes and they move from los angeles yes that makes a lot more sense now that i think about it josh okay well but yes there should be more minorities there's no minorities and it's not surprising that it's a 1993 disney movie with no minorities but you would think that there'd be some if it was remade today there would certainly be minorities let's talk about what holds up the best in this movie 25 years later is there anything that stands out performances production wise that really stands out and not taking the movie as a whole because obviously that has held up i mean the performances of the three sanderson sisters still as good today as they were when you first saw it yes the one thing i was going to say is i think the cgi has surprisingly stood up Uh, it's not bad for so talking cat talking cat flying, flying brooms, brooms and the, a vacuum flying vacuum and a mop. the spells the sort of lightning that comes out of bet midler's fingers things like that it holds up surprisingly well for 25 years later yeah i agree so maybe they did spend a good amount of money of their budget on computer graphics mm-hmm. 1993 i mean that was well before we had anything also really book. great the book the, the book, eyeball yeah, the eye, and like I think the that was probably a practical effect. Yeah, but, but I love it. Yeah, it's a it's a good effect. It still looks like legit. Like you're like, oh, that book is made of skin and has an eyeball. Yeah. The brother-sister relationship, that's also something that really holds up. Where like the parents are like, you have to take her trick-or-treating. And she's like, and you know, loves her older brother, wants to be like him. And he kind of wants nothing to do with her and wants to have his own life like that. I think they do a really authentic job. And we haven't really talked about Thora Birch, who was teeny tiny in this movie, but does a really sweet job playing Danny, the younger sister. Um, she's so gone on, of, of the kids in the movie, she's gone on to have the most success. Oh my gosh. Now and then she's in as well, which ugh, is just the most amazing movie ever. If you've never seen it, you need to watch it. Let's talk a little bit about our favorite minor characters. I have a couple here that I want to nominate as the best minor characters. Wait, before you give me your suggestions, I just want to think for a second. Okay, and think, think through. Just quickly. Well, Binks is one of my all-time favorite characters. But I don't think a, he's minor. He's not minor. Yeah, okay. So let me give you the the nominees here, and you can Billy. tell me if you want to add any to this. Billy, yes. Billy, Gary Marshall, the devil. Billy Butcherson, the devil, played by Gary Marshall. Okay. Max and Danny's parents, Dave and Jenny Dennison. Amazing. Amazing with them in their costumes. And then true minor character, the fake cop. No, I hate that scene. You seem to love it, but I find him so rude. I just think his delivery of the line, hey, I put my life on the line for this town, is so good. <laughs> I and mean, he literally has like three lines. But he does so much with his three lines. Okay, well, clearly we'll, we'll take him off the table if we want to agree on something, but I really I think, think Billy that... has to win. You do? Yeah. I actually think, okay, so first, fun fact about uh, Billy Butcherson was played by Doug Jones. Doug Jones 
was recently featured in the Academy Award-winning film The Shape of Water. Who he did he play? He played the creature. And another thing I read about this movie, uh, which I don't know if it's actually true or not, but it's kind of creepy, is that when he finally cuts his mouth open mm-hmm. at the end of the movie and Wench. there and there are moths that come out, mm-hmm. those are real moths oh, and not so cool. not CGI. Yeah, dedication right there. That's so cool. I have to say, my after rewatching the movie last night, my favorite minor characters have to be Max and Danny's parents. Yeah, the they mom have, as Madonna is amazing, but they just have such good That's comedic timing for those of you who haven't seen it that it's just I, I think you've got to give it to them they don't have a ton to work with but they do a lot with what they are given and so they are my choice for best minor characters last category i want to talk about and then we'll wrap it up is do you have anything that annoys you from the movie because i have a couple things that can i run these by you well you hate the bully characters well besides the besides them can i run can i run two things that i that i saw by sure. you sure okay the first thing happens towards the beginning of the movie when Max lights the candle, the black flame candle, yeah. and brings the Sanderson sisters back from the dead. When Thackeray Binks, the cat, comes out, he says, I've been waiting here for 300 years for someone to light the candle and bring them back so I can avenge my sister's death. Right? He says that. The I thing don't think a, he says that. He I does. think he's been trying to prevent someone from... No, he says he, he's been waiting at the house... To prevent someone... No, to... I watched it last night. Believe me. This is what he says. That would make a lot more sense if it was what he said, because the first thing the cat does is, is try to attack. He tries to attack him. But he says that he's been waiting to avenge his, because hmm. he's stuck as a cat. Yeah. So it's it's very annoying to me that he would attack Max as a cat to stop him from lighting the candle. He would then immediately after say, I've been waiting for someone to light the candle. I've been waiting for a virgin. So that annoys me. The other thing that annoys me even more in the movie is that Winifred Sanderson, the character played by Bette Midler, seems to have powers where she can shoot lightning from her fingers, but she doesn't use it almost ever. (laughs) So there are times when clearly she should use it and just push the human aside. There are times when Max will try to challenge her. All she has to do is use her lightning powers and get rid of him. Okay, so here's maybe something that could explain that. So I know that it takes a lot out of her and that they're slowly like fading away and like dying, right? Because they don't have enough children that they okay. like. So I don't know that she necessarily has her full strength to do. But she uses it towards the very end of the movie in the graveyard. Oh, you're right. So just that, I don't know if that, that really holds up. Also... Know. My other question, which is not really an annoyance, but why did this happen? At the very end, when the Sanderson sisters explode into dust, Sarah Jessica Parker's character and Kathy Jimmy's character explode right into dust. But for some reason, Bette Midler's character turns into a stone first and then bursts into green dust. Why? Why does she turn into stone? Because <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, but it doesn't make any sense. It seems like a totally unnecessary set piece that they had to build and pay for <laughs> to have her turn into a stone. And then have her explode? Because think about it. They built the stone piece and then they made it blow up. That's it. Why waste the money? Just have her blow up into smoke, into dust. Oh, I know why. Why? She turns to stone because she touches the graveyard. Isn't uh, it that they're not allowed? So the okay, other two, okay. Kathy and Jimmy and Sarah Jessica Parker, flying. are flying in the air. And they turn to dust when the dawn hits and it's right. been a 24 and hours and, and the, the sun, sun hits them, them and they explode into dust. 
she turns into stone. They're not allowed to step on hallowed ground. On hallowed ground. So I think huh. it's because I think she that. steps on it, and then she starts to turn from stone. The she bottom turns up. completely into stone. Right, but and it's then the bottom up. But if she had been able to suck the life out of Max, she wouldn't have turned to stone or something like that. Again, that probably is an inconsistency, but I think that's what it is. Okay, that I, I'll buy that. Still seems like a waste of production money, but hey, to each their own. They could have had her floating a, a foot off the ground and just had her explode into dust. Last thing I want to talk about to wrap this up is why do you think this has become a cult classic? Because it wasn't super popular when it came out. I think that there are a lot of stellar performances. The three Sanderson sisters and the three lead kids are all phenomenal. So you've got, and the cat, you've got like seven people who are leading the heart of this story who are all giving really good performances. Okay, the cat is not I a love great Thackeray Banks. It's a fine character, but I don't know if you want to say he's giving a great performance. It's a CGI cat, a okay, puppet cat. Well, I'm into it. And so I think that there are a lot of like one-liners and like funny things like, you know, Winnie calling for her book or even when Sarah Jessica Parker is dancing around, amok, 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 amok. I mean, like these are things that like I can quote to my friends and they know exactly what I'm talking about. There are a lot of these like little moments where – it just created such an impression. I think also for me, it's the nostalgia factor hugely. Like this is something that I grew up with and then I watched with my friends and there's a lot of really positive memories that I associate with it. I'm excited for our son to watch it someday. So I think the fact that it made such an impression on me when I was a kid, that's made me want to keep watching it. Can I ask you why has there never been a Hocus Pocus 2? The movie ends with the spell book opening its eye again. That's the very last thing you see. Yeah, there really should be. How was there never a sequel? I mean, maybe they just wouldn't commit to it. Because it didn't make a lot of money when it was in theaters? Maybe, or maybe it was that, because really what it would need to be, it would need to be Sarah Jessica Parker, Kathy and Jimmy, and Bette Midler, and like a new set of kids. Hmm, yeah. You know, I heard that they were thinking about doing a remake without the original cast. No, absolute veto. I want nothing to do with that. That would be awful. Well, we'll see if that comes out. I'm sure it will. Anything to make money these days. Mm. That wraps up our Hocus Pocus discussion. We hope you like that. If you like this format of us talking about movies, we could expand that into books or TV or music in the future. So let us know. Let's jump into our teasers and wrap this up for this week. Maureen, what is your teaser? My teaser is kind of boring. I've been asking for book recommendations, which people have been great about giving me. And I've been trying to listen to audiobooks. On my commute, which I'm doing, but the problem that I'm having is that I'm listening to like multiple audiobooks because I like, I don't know, I don't always really want to listen to the same thing. So like right now I'm listening to a book about parenting and I'm listening to a couple podcasts and I'm listening to All the Light You Cannot See, which was recommended. So I've just got a lot going on. I think I need to like pick one thing and like stick with it, but I don't know. I'm just a little like scattered in the morning and afternoon and sometimes I want something of a different flavor. But one of the books I actually did listen to the whole way through was Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now. And this is a great read on kind of mindfulness and being present. And I really actually liked <laughs> the audiobook. He narrates it and he's got this super weird voice. So that was interesting. So check it out. What about you, honey? What's your teaser? My teaser for this week is a short film that I watched recently. The short film is called Caroline. It is written and directed by Logan George and Celine Held. Came out this year. I just saw it recently. They just put it online. This is a film that was at the Cannes Film Festival. 
or Cannes Film Festival, however you say it, South by Southwest Film Festival, Telluride. It's really good. It's about 10 minutes long. The plot of the movie, and I won't give too much away, so you just watch it, is when plans fall through, a six-year-old is faced with a big responsibility on a hot Texas day. So the movie is really real. It feels really real. And it's a surprisingly emotional and moving story for only being 10 minutes long. It stars Celine Held, who is the writer-director. She's one of the main characters. But the it also stars three kids who are real-life siblings between the ages of one and a half and six. And all of them are really good. I don't know how they got the one and a half-year-old to act, but it's just really impressive to watch. So I encourage you to check this out. It's only 10 minutes. It's well worth your time. And it could be a contender at the Academy Awards this year for best narrative short film. Honey, I want to see this. Why didn't you tell me about it? I just saw it today. Wow. So now you can watch it. Teaser for me too. All right. That's our show for this week. Thanks everybody for joining us. You can leave us feedback, comments, or questions on each episode by going to vernacularpodcast.com slash popcast. We would love to hear from you and would especially love to hear what you want to hear about on the show. You can also reach us by emailing the podcast at vernacularpodcast.com. Please also subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We put out a new one every Friday, and if it's not too much trouble, please drop us a rating or a review. It helps other people find our show. We'll be back next week, as always, sitting cross-legged on our bedroom floor with a brand new episode. You know what I think makes me most mad about this whole story? Tell me what. That I've said papoose four times. No, honey. That is a weird word. Papoose. So I like, I think you're saying it funny. Papoose. Papoose. No, papoose. Papoose. What am I saying? (laughs) I don't know. You can listen back to it and hear it.